0: Welcome to the Cuz I Love You podcast, a series of conversations designed to convene faith, civic and nonprofit leaders in and around Colorado Springs. We want to foster greater collaboration between faith and civic partners so the church can be our city's greatest contributor towards human flourishing. Each month, we explore topics and struggles impacting people in the Pikes Peak region and connect you to the leaders that are working to end suffering and increase flourishing.
1: Well, hello, Cuz I Love You friends, fans, and followers. Welcome to our next episode of the Cuz I Love You podcast as we are continuing our city series. It's a closer look at some of the people and the roles that make our city and our county work. Last month, we had the chance to open the series by talking with the chief and deputy chief of our local fire department here in Colorado Springs. And as we continue, we will introduce you to some folks that you may or may not know, but whose roles may impact your everyday life in the Pikes Peak region. And that is never more true than today's interview. But before we get to any of that, I can go no further without welcoming our project manager, the driver of the Magic School Bus that we call Because I Love You, Corey Smith. Corey, hello. Hello.
0: I loved the Magic School Bus growing up. I did too. Well, Mrs. Frizzle. I,
1: I wasn't growing up, but I read them to all my kids. <laughs>
0: Amazing. That's
1: right. So Mrs. Frizzle Mrs. Awesome. Frizzle. Yeah. Um, so Corey, I have a question for you. What's big and hairy and has 1,200 hands?
0: I don't know, Stu. <laughs> is this a new bit? We're doing jokes yeah, we're at doing, we're
1: doing jokes now. Oh, no, okay. this isn't really a joke. It's, it's Spring City Serve, Corey. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: So you, of all people, should know just how big and hairy it is. But can you talk about Spring City Serve Day that's coming up?
0: I would be happy to. So Spring City Serve is coming up on April 30th and May 7th. And right now, if you go to the Because I Love You website, in the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says Volunteer. You click on that, and you have access to over six 1,600 volunteer slots that are live on our website right now, serving at parks, at schools, in neighborhoods, local nonprofits, an easy way for community members to get out into their city, find an area of need, spend some time there, and hopefully connect with the mission and vision and go back. That's the real goal.
1: Okay. So let's talk about this a second. We have traditionally done our city serve day in the fall. Correct. Correct is this new? Is this an addition? What Spring City Serve? And it's on two Saturdays.
0: Two Saturdays. So the, the heart of that, so it bookends Teacher Appreciation Week. So the heart of that is really allowing specifically our schools to have more flexibility in the day that they choose to have volunteers on site. Do they want us to launch them into Teacher Appreciation Week or do they want us to wrap it up by doing something helpful and positive on campus? And we have, you know, we have done this, a big, huge City Serve opportunity in the fall. And What's awesome is we have had a school service day in the spring historically, and we're just expanding that a little bit and saying, great, serve at schools, serve at local nonprofits, still a huge focus on schools, but allowing just for more opportunity in the spring as well.
1: So I hear you say we've got a bunch of projects at schools. Yep. We've also got projects at other nonprofits like we do oftentimes in the fall Correct. at City Serve Day, and there's 1,600 slots open. Right now. Gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so... Incredible opportunity for people to get out and serve this spring. Let's talk a little bit about this episode. I am excited to introduce today's episode because I mean, really, it's so very different from anything that we've done before.
0: Yeah. Stu, so I, I don't know about these guys. Frankly, I I'd never knew that their jobs existed in our city and our county. So tell us more.
1: Yeah. So we tell a lot of people a lot of people that we get the chance to sit at the intersection of the church and the city. And I actually had not met either of these guys before this interview, but I've been aware of both them and their roles for some time. And it's something that I was always just curious about. And if I'm really honest, this interview was kind of a total experiment. I mean, I wasn't sure if anything was going to come out of this that could relate to our audience of faith leaders. But we, if we take our commission as the people of God seriously, we have a duty to, to be good citizens, and that means being informed. And people don't seem to be shy about informing themselves about political candidates. I think we need to find ways to be informed about the kinds of things that affect our everyday lives, like public works. And frankly, this was actually a really fun conversation to have.
0: Well, I'm so excited about it. Can you tell us more why public works?
1: Sure. So let me ask you a question. Did you drive a car here today? Yes. Did you crash at an intersection because cars were going every which way whenever they wanted to? No. Okay. Did you happen to see a city bus? on your drive to work this morning?
0: I didn't, but I know they're there.
1: Okay. So (laughs) did you happen to drive over or past a culvert, a bridge, or another structure that directs water runoff? Was it flooded? No. Okay. Then you have today's (laughs) guest to thank for doing their jobs.
0: Thank you, Public Works.
1: So in addition to what they do to keep us safe and healthy, they oversee some of the biggest budgets in our city, and our county, and they are funded by taxes that we all pay, which these guys will talk about.
0: Awesome. Well, that's good enough for me. I think we've got a lot to learn from our guests today. So let's get into our interview with our friends, Travis Easton and Kevin Mastin.
1: Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to another great conversation at the intersection of the church and the city. And I don't know if you've heard me use that phrase before, but it's one of the ways that I try to describe what Cuz I Love You does, where we create conversations and connections between our faith and civic communities so we can find ways to, to work together and address issues in our city. So for me, that intersection is an exciting place, and it's where I have the opportunity to just spend a lot of time. It's not a place that everybody gets to spend a lot of time, which is exactly why we do these podcasts. We want you to be informed about what's happening in our community in ways that you, as an individual, as a pastor, as a business owner, maybe as a just as a parent or a resident or a taxpayer, can get involved. So this isn't just about information. We want this information to lead to action. And if you've been tracking with our podcast, you know that we've spent our first year discussing challenging issues in our city, like hunger, homelessness, mental health. Some of those kinds of things, but we're taking a break from that for just a couple of months. And we're doing what we're calling our city series, where we want to introduce to you a few people in our city and in our county that you may or may not know of, but whose roles have a profound impact on our everyday lives. And the two guests I have today fit that bill, perhaps maybe more than just about any others. There's a good chance that you've never heard the names Travis Easton or Kevin Maston, and they might be okay with that, um, but I guarantee you that you would immediately notice if their jobs just disappeared. Travis Easton is our first guest. He's the director of public works for the city of Colorado Springs. And Kevin Maston, our second guest, is the Executive Director of Public Works for El Paso County. Gentlemen, it is great to have both of you here.
2: Thank you, Stu. Glad to, glad to be here. Thank you very much for
1: having us. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, Travis, I got to ask you, does Kevin ever rub it in that you're a director while he gets to be the Executive Director? I mean, his title is just
3: a tad fancier than yours. You know what? You're right. It is. And I hadn't actually noticed that, <laughs> that <laughs> before. So, but, but no, Kevin, Kevin has not rubbed that in. Um, he is the...
2: Uh, Consummate professional uh, and <laughs> he would never do that, but <laughs> Well, we have more real estate in the county than it the is city. Yeah, so it that's is true. It is true. The executive director, because yeah. we have more real estate.
1: Uh, all right. All right. So, good humility play there, yeah. <laughs> Kevin. Thanks. So, Travis, let's just start with you as we kind of jump into this. You've been in public service for a long time. Um, I actually learned recently that you were formerly the the town of the mayor or mayor of the town of Monument. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you ended up in this role.
3: Uh, right. Yeah. Um. A little surprised. Yeah. Some some people know that. Some people do not uh, that I was the the mayor in Monument. That was from. 2010 to 2014. Um, I just did one term. I was missing way too many of the kids' games and practices and helping with homework and things like that. So, um, so I decided not to seek a second term. Um, while I was in that role, I was a senior VP for a large international engineering consulting firm, okay. and um, I was running the Rocky Mountain region. Uh, the The mayor for Monument is strictly a volunteer position, yep. so so it was tough to do tough to do both. Yep. Um, you know, and uh, I ended up here, um, you know, interesting story. So um, the, uh, the company I was working for asked me to um, handle the Salt Lake City operations as well. And I was already traveling quite a bit. Our CEO lived in Florida. Our corporate offices were in Sacramento. So I was already traveling all over the country, missing a lot of time um, with family. And so, you know, after I made that decision not to seek reelection, you know, again, I was going to focus on family. And then they asked me to, you know, go to Salt Lake City and and turn that around. And the first thought that entered my mind was I really didn't want to travel out to Salt Lake City every week. Mm-hmm. And so then I got to thinking, well, you know, that's not really fair to the company or the people in Salt Lake City, if I'm tasked with turning that around, and I really don't want to be there. You know, it's not a fair, not a fair uh, situation or circumstance. Um, and at the same time, The previous public works director of the city and some others um, in the city uh, public works department were asking me if I would apply for this position. Long story short, at the uh, 11 p.m. on the day that applications were due, I went ahead and submitted mine and seven years plus or minus later, here I am. Wow, and here you are. So, Okay,
1: so and we'll come back to, we're going to spend some time talking about what public works is, so we'll get into your role in a few minutes. But Kevin, your turn. Your path to public service seems to come by a very different one than perhaps uh, your counterparts here. How did you find yourself in this role with the county?
2: It was, yeah, I, I took a very long path getting your first. I didn't know you were the mayor of Monument. I had no idea. Really? See, some so, people know that. Some know people do not. No so, like I, I don't share it a lot. So. I, would, I would have brought gifts. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, the, uh, so my, I mean, how I ended up in public works here, I actually retired from the Air Force, uh, spent 32 years in the Air Force. But when I grew up in upstate New York in the Finger Lakes, uh, grew up on a small farm there. Uh, grew up on equipment. Loved working equipment, moving dirt, uh, doing that type of thing. So that's kind of the, if you if you kind of look at that as the foundation. Then I went in the Air Force. What was supposed to be a four year career turned into thirty two. And then uh, when I retired from the Air Force, uh, worked for a project management design firm uh, because I wanted to do something completely different. I didn't necessarily want to stay in the defense uh, industry, which were plenty of opportunities there, but I just want to do something different. Uh, so the, the company in Florida, it was Aka Mossendorf and associates. Um, the, uh, it was a project management design firm doing work for Disney and universal. And that's what we did. Wow. Everything from uh, ride systems, hotels, restaurants, cruise ships, anything that was a, anything that was a, a themed experience for a customer. So I did that for about uh, four years and then when uh, my kids were in high school, it got to be a little too much on the travel, so I decided to stay local. went and I flew for L3 Harris in Pueblo for about a year and a half, and then the opportunity at the county opened. And it was a chance to kind of get it back around what I was used to when I grew up. My grandfather worked for the county where I grew up. I uh, had cousins that worked for the county, and uh, really predominantly a blue-collar family. So for me getting into public works, it just felt like being home again, if wow. that makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. A lot of the people that I, you know, that I grew up with, it's just, it's, it's a lot of the just very good salt of the earth yeah. people. Yeah, chance people to move some
1: it. dirt around from time to time. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's exactly right. I, I joke with people because in, in the Air Force, I flew, uh, I flew fighters in the Air Force and a lot of my buddies that I flew with are going, hey man, what's it like being in public works? I said, it's just like being in a flying wing again, except all the airplanes move dirt.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> almost
2: the same. Everything maybe is- Maybe a little slower. Yeah. Right, yeah, a little, yeah, a little yeah. bit, just a little yeah. bit slower. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so
1: for both of you guys, I think it would be helpful to maybe just provide our listeners with a basic understanding, kind of the scope of your roles. What Public Works is, Travis, why don't you start and just talk about what's involved with Public Works at the city level, and then Kevin, you can do the same at the county level. What all do
3: you oversee? Sure. So Public Works at the city, uh, really in my mind, I break it down to five divisions. We have the City Engineering Division. Uh, handle a lot of the roads, bridges. Uh, we have uh, almost 500 bridges in the city that we maintain. Uh, a lot of them constructed in the 70s, 80s, as you would imagine, things of that nature. So City Engineering Division uh, oversees the roads and bridges. We have the Traffic Engineering Division um, really maintains all of the signals. We have close to 700 signals that we maintain across the city. You know, their primary focus is moving people safely Mm -hmm. across our city. Mm We have the Ops and Maintenance Division, um, almost 6,400 lane miles of roadway that we maintain, alleys, um, stormwater infrastructure, things of that nature. We have the Stormwater Enterprise, you know, a new enterprise as of a few years ago um, as well. And then we have uh, the uh, Mountain Metro Transit, the regional transportation provider. So five main divisions in public works, obviously a lot of support personnel as well. Annual budget of just under 300 million um, and then approximately 300 people in the department. Yeah, wow. Um, Wow, that's enormous. Okay, so we'll get to that in a second. Kevin,
1: how about you? It,
2: it's basically just, just exactly what Travis said. The, only, the really main difference between what we do in the county and what Travis does is that we're more geographically dispersed. Mm-hmm. Uh, many people who live here don't realize that El Paso County geographically is larger than the state of Rhode Island. Wow. And, uh, and that's uh, so exactly what Travis just talked about. We do the same thing, except it's just a lot farther distances that our, our, our folks have to drive. Yeah, and to I would imagine
1: there. for you guys, um, there's a lot more, well – the maintenance of roads is probably different. You've got a lot more kind of unpaved roads, a lot of rural surfaces and, and, and areas that you guys are covering as opposed to maybe the city where it's a lot more
2: developed. That's right. Yeah. Half of our roads are gravel. Yeah. And uh, and there's a challenge with that because uh, a lot of our roads that are out east are were built with native soils by the rancher that lived on that road, yeah. you know, 80 years ago. And uh, we're in the process of trying to get these roads built up to meet current standards and the amount of traffic that we have with everybody moving here. Yeah. Uh, these roads are really, they're really, uh, really taking a beating. Yes, and that is
1: something that we're going to talk about. So, okay, that's a ton of responsibility really for both of you guys. I mean, roads get a lot of attention around here because of potholes. I think I've heard Mayor souther's talk about stormwater so much over the past few years. I've developed maybe a minor twitch every time I hear that word, but those are areas that literally affect, I mean, every every day of, of, of our lives here. What are some of the finer details of these areas that you oversee that may just not be apparent to kind of the everyday citizen, either of you? Well, I I
2: think for, I mean, it's um, when people drive, here's, I think this, when people get in their vehicles and they drive, they want to get to where they're going. Without any issues, mm-hmm. whether it's a pothole, whether it's traffic that's backed up, whether it's a signal that's working, whatever that is, and when it rains or when the snow melts, they want the water to go where it's supposed to go. Yeah. So those are kind of the two primary things that I think that that citizens expect. But to make that happen, there is a, I mean, there is a bloodline from all these, all the different uh, divisions that we have in the department. Just like Travis had mentioned, that help us get there and it's whether it is the person turning the wrench on a light vehicle that vehicle is critical to us being able to maintain and keep a road open Mm -hmm. um the uh you know everything from our culvert systems that we have i don't think people understand the number of culverts that we have they don't under well the other thing too is which a lot of people aren't aware of is how much trash pickup we do illegal dumping and then also dead animals that's hmm. a significant that's a full-time job for one of my crews they hmm. don't yeah they, there's a there's a lot of that that goes on here in the county yes there so. certainly
3: is Travis yeah well you mentioned stormwater and you know it's funny that uh you know a few months after I started this position is when I received the notice of intent to file a lawsuit from the EPA against the city. They didn't tell me that before Welcome I to the took job. the position. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, it's funny enough that you actually had a nightmare about stormwater a couple weeks ago. So mm. it's still it's, it's still out there. <laughs> well, wow, my twitch is yeah. nearly as bad exactly. as your nightmare. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So so some of the finer details that um, you know people may not realize, and I'm just going to focus on two special taxes that, that we have. Um, one of them is the 2C road maintenance tax. Mm-hmm. Funding strictly for maintenance of roads, 0.57% is where it's at right now. And then the PPRTA tax, one cent sales tax that goes to transportation in the region. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those uh, are a big part of our budget. I mentioned $300 million. You know, those two alone are the lion's share of where our, our revenue comes from. And it strictly goes to transportation and maintenance of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And so with that, with that responsibility, and there's, there's a lot of promises made to the voters. And we're going to, you know, we a list of projects we're going to get done, roads we're going to get to, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, we track all of that weekly, and then we report out on it quarterly. Um, and we report out on it to, you know, tell people the things that we're doing, be transparent where everything is going, and really let them know that, you know, we, we trust, uh, you know, the resources that they've entrusted to us. We're making the best use of those. And so we track track all of that. We just had a 2C committee meeting last week or the week before, we finished the first five years under budget and right on schedule. Mm-hmm. And we actually um, added a few roads to the list as well. Same with PPRTA. You know, that we're in the second authorization of that right now. That ends in 2024. It's a 10-year authorization. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go back to the voters this November for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, we track all of that stuff. As of this November, what we are projecting, we're going to be 88% complete. With the projects that we promised to the voters, or they'll be under construction, and yeah. so we are right on track with uh, with getting everything done that we promised to the voters. With those two. Very special and specific um, tax authorizations. Yeah, so I want to
1: kind of maybe make this point for a second, but let me just kind of set the table on this because, I mean, anybody who lives here and has lived here for any length of time knows that it's – I mean, we're just growing so quickly as a community. I mean, I just looked it up, one number between the 2010 and 2020 censuses, uh, El Paso County grew by 17.4%. I mean, that's a lot. Um, And that upward trend really only just continues. And so in some ways, that's a really good thing. I mean, this is a really exciting time to live in Colorado Springs, but it also creates, I think, some substantial kind of growing pains and, and some pain points, some of which I would have to guess just falls to you guys, to your teams, to the departments that you oversee. So can you talk a little bit about what maybe some of those pain points are? And then I might come back to you, Travis, on like what we're doing in the future to maybe look at how we're addressing some of those.
2: So I would say that for us on the county side, the biggest pain point we have is that we're bu- we're building residential in a in a rural environment, mm. and that makes it very tough for us because the size of our depi- department has not really grown as far as the amount of equipment that we have, um, and it's not necessarily that we picked up more a significant uh, you know uh, number of lane miles of more road, which we do. We continue to pick that up more lane miles we have to maintain. But when you put high-density housing in a rural environment, it's very difficult, particularly in the wintertime, trying to do snow removal, those types of things. And uh, it just it just presents a, a very significant challenge for us when we are built and developed as a rural public works department, but we're really – turning into a city environment because of the real because of the development, but that's forcing us also to really think outside the box of the way we're doing things, the way we're structured, the way we're organized uh the where our yards are located we're now in the process of looking at alternate locations for our yards. To put them strategically place them to where it makes more sense and you don't mean lawns you no, mean the places sorry, where yards, your vehicles yes. are parked right i just <laughs> exactly, want to clarify yeah right? th- thanks for doing yeah. that yeah the, uh exactly <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not we, out
1: there on your little chipping green uh, right out in
2: front that, of right, your house yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> no thanks for clarifying that because yeah like our yards we have uh one in black forest fox run uh trucked in. Uh, let's see, uh, Peyton, Calhan, and then down in Fountain. Now, the one in Fountain we're going to lose due to development, so we've got to find a place further east. Uh, Peyton, as Peyton continues to grow, having, an, having a public works. You know, location in the middle of all that isn't really the best place for that. Even where we're at right now, our Acres facility was built when nothing was there. I mean, the access to our yard was off of Mark Shuffle. And since the development, that's why they call it Acres now. It's because it was a street that was built after that building was put in Mm -hmm. but um even that's getting to be it's going to be too much we're getting surrounded and it's time for us to think about how we're going to move out further out to the rural areas and on top of that too as the city continues to annex Mm -hmm. uh sections of the county it doesn't make sense for us to be landlocked in the city
1: yeah yeah
2: travis a couple pain points for you guys
1: that you're trying to figure out
3: very very similar with what kevin mentioned and I'll, i'll start uh first with uh transportation and infrastructure you know our transportation master plan was about 20 years old we are just heading down the home stretch now with an update to that you know really looking at priority corridors for the next 20 25 years you know taking into consideration all the annexations and future growth things of that nature so that's been underway for the last couple three years again we're heading down the home stretch with that now um, just keeping up with the the development and the reviews because yeah. obviously you'll know, Kevin's folks and my folks, you know, they're responsible for reviewing all those plans. And then there's the inspections that need to take place when the construction is going in, making sure the roads are built, you know, according to plan, things of that nature. Um, And then as Kevin mentioned, and I fully agree, it's, you know, how do we efficiently serve these large areas? You know, we have, you know, down in Fontanero off of I-25 is where Mm -hmm. a lot of our, you know, equipment is and a lot of our staff. And, you know, I was bringing up... um, with a developer out east, you know, we need to find a spot out there. If you guys have some land that's out, you know, it's not really developable, not as much value in it for you guys, let's talk because I need a facility out there mm-hmm. to efficiently serve, you know, the future growth out there. Because it doesn't make sense to be, you know, hauling equipment and staff from Fontanero and I-25 way out east to bendingless Ranch. It's not a, just not an efficient use of time. and if so. I can
2: just add to that, I mean, one of the things that Travis and I are talking about, I think his, historically... Um, prior to the rapid growth that we've had that, that we're having, I think you had the city and you had the county, and they were two completely different entities. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, we have to work together and we are working together to look at this. Hey, what what are regional solutions that we can do? You know, I mean, right now we're in the process of 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 getting um, some of Travis's people actually operating out of our locations, because does it make sense for the city to go out and necessarily purchase a location if we have room for them to share with us? Just yeah. like do they have locations we can share? We just need to start looking at things regionally. Mm-hmm. And then um, that also kind of rolls into the development that if this is a location that the city is eventually going to annex then that area should be built to city standards because if it's not, then it's going to slow down annexation. It's going to prevent annexation potentially. So we have to spend a lot of time figuring out how we're going to solve these problems together versus two separate. Yeah. That's actually been one of
1: the things that I've appreciated about both our city and county leaders lately over the, maybe just, maybe not a full decade, but close to that is that there's been a real intention to try and create synergy and collaboration where it makes sense to do so. Emergency services is another example. Even some of our health services, um, there's been some real opportunities that I think our, our local leaders, you guys included have capitalized on to say, where's some efficiencies that we can create by working together rather than being
2: t- completely distinct. Be like quick examples, even these last few snowstorms or the snow events that we've had, um, the, uh, on the snow events, the, uh, Um, you know, there's, there's places where our trucks are at. But to get to the next location that the county owns, we have to go through a city section. So why not just keep the plow down and move the snow while you're moving? And Travis does the same for us. I mean, if you are in a location that's owned by the city but have to travel through the county to get to that next city location, just keep the plow down and keep the snow moving. Yeah. So to try to try to work those things together as well to create some efficiency, just as an example. Yeah, yeah what, that's
3: exactly right. We, have, we actually have an, an IGA, an intergovernmental agreement between the city and county, that lists out all the roads that we will do for the county and vice versa, lists the roads that the county will do for the city. And to to Kevin's point, you know, it doesn't make sense to uh, drive through a a county portion when you're going from a city location to another, keep the plow down, let's go ahead and do it. And so yeah, yeah, we actually have those listed. Yeah, that's really good. So okay, so let me shift gears here
1: just for a second. As somebody who I mean, I get the opportunity to spend a fair amount of my time interacting with public officials, whether it's kind of guys in an office, like you guys are some of our folks that are maybe out front, um, like our mayor and our city council and some of those folks. And I've, I guess I've learned a little bit about the challenges of working and leading in the public eye. And at times I think it can be really difficult to show up to work every day, trying to do your best while you have people out there who just want to tear you down and just make fun of your efforts. Just complain all the time because you're just not meeting their specific needs. And you guys, I mean, maybe, maybe not. um, You may not be in in the limelight quite as much as some of the others, but I just wonder if you ever feel that challenge and how the two of you deal with that.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things that uh, we have a customer service uh, division and uh, our, uh, our customer service uh, manager actually came to us from the sheriff's department after working there for about 22, 23 years. And she's a trained crisis negotiator. So <laughs> she's the perfect customer service manager, but you know, I, I'll tell you, here, here's what, this is what I found. I mean, it can be very frustrating because we do have some people that are basically frequent flyers that it doesn't matter what we do. They're going to find fault in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And I just have to keep reminding people that we have 790 some thousand citizens And only about maybe a half a dozen of them are like that. So don't Mm -hmm. let that five or six, um, kind of affect our, uh, affect how we do our business. But on the flip side of it, um, I, I consider this job as kind of a servant. It's a servant position, servant leadership position, you know, how we interact with the public. And I'm also a firm believer that nobody wakes up in the morning going, let me see whose day I can ruin, you know. And if they do feel like that, there's something driving it, you Mm -hmm. know. So what is it? So it's really important to us that as we're solving solutions for people is not to necessarily just dive into the problem let's talk, let's, let's learn something about each other. Let's find out what it is, what's bothering you, you know, and I can give you an example, just a really quick example. We had a person who, um, who was not well liked by the folks in the department because this person would call, uh, very abrasive, sometimes using profanity, Mm -hmm. uh, different things. And, uh, I took the time to meet him. And what I found out is he had lost his son. Mm-hmm. His wife was terminally ill and he found out that his daughter had a, had an illness that Gosh. could potentially affect her longevity. So as we had this common ground and talked for about two or three hours, it was a pretty emotional conversation. And all of a sudden everything was just fine. Mm-hmm. And the complaint stopped, you know, and I, that's, so I think it's important that with our citizens it's important for us to get to know them yeah. and not just treat them like a number, yeah. not just treat them like, like, uh, like a one or a zero. So you're you saying know? if I call you like six or seven times, you're going to take me out to lunch. I'm going to go, Stu, how are you feeling today? <laughs> 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 Stu, tell me, just tell me what's going through your mind. Stu? Yeah. <laughs> how pastoral of you, you know, in, in so exactly. many ways. Well, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot that plays into that because, uh, I mean, it's that human dynamic. People need to understand people are people yeah. and everybody's struggling with something. And if you can figure out what that is that that person's struggling with, you may be able to solve this problem a whole lot easier than just pushing back and going, well, this person's just complaining.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. Travis, for you, I mean, how do you try to deal with it when you got folks that are coming at your at your team?
2: You know,
3: very similarly. Um, you know, we try and keep things in perspective. Um, I think, and I've taken the time as well to just, Talk to people, listen to them, um, a lot of times once people get everything out on the table they've said it all, they feel a lot better, and you know then we can identify, okay, what are the real issues and, and we can move on. The other thing I would add is that we we do get a lot of folks that say thank you as well too, hmm. and you know I get letters, uh, emails, um, and I try to always share those with the folks just to keep the morale up and let them know you know what what you're doing does make a difference. Yeah. And, you know, we got to celebrate the positives and really keep things in perspective and and do that as well. So, yeah, that's really good.
1: So, okay, last couple of questions here, Travis, the majority of our listeners probably live in the greater Colorado Springs area. And our target audience really is people of faith in our city who want to seek the best for our city. And you have an opportunity here to invite people to consider the role of public works, the team that you oversee, the projects that you guys are managing, and to bring them alongside you. So what part could an average resident of Colorado Springs play in supporting the work that you and your team do?
3: I would say first and foremost, you know, their, their prayers, mm. you know, if they can pray for us. Um, I think that's great, you know, and, and I try and do that every once in a while, not as often as I should. Just when I'm walking in the office in the morning, walking from the elevators to my door in of my office... Say a quick prayer for the people in the office. Not to interrupt you, but yeah. I think about the safety of your plow operators for both
1: of your teams. Um, what are some of the other things that maybe like come to your mind when you think about
3: those things that people could pray for? Uh, certainly, safety is one of them. We have a lot of folks out there working in the roadways, filling potholes, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, wisdom, yeah. you know, discernment to to really you know meet folks where they're at, and really you know do the best job that we can. Um, and I hear integrity as well. You, you talked about you guys are overseeing this $300 million
1: budget and it's right. tax funded. And so right. you want to be transparent and accountable to what you're doing, but to be able to do those things with integrity. So exactly. As well, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say prayers and, you know, certainly if there are things that, uh, you know, that they need, you know, to let us know. We are there to help them and serve them and, you know, let us know that as and well. And I also heard you say the occasional, like, Hey, way to go,
1: guys! Thanks for doing what you're doing. Doesn't that, hurt. It's well. fantastic.
3: Like I said, I always share those with folks, and uh, at the end of the year, actually, you know, we have a, a potluck Christmas party where everybody brings something in, and on the screen, I have the folks because I keep all the, the emails and letters. I have the screen in that room scrolling through the years, you know, commendations and compliments that yeah. people
2: received, and so again, it's just a good reminder. Good. Kevin, any ideas from you? Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, you know, here's here's the thing with our with our employees that we have. Um, It is uh, thank yous go a very, very, very long way. You know, uh, uh, thanking somebody for the work they're doing, because a lot of times what our what our people are doing is uh, I think sometimes they wonder if anybody even cares. You know, when they go out and they take that extra time to 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 do something special for for, uh, uh, you know, the citizens on a on a on a road or in a a neighborhood, whatever it is but just taking that time to reach out. Cause just like Travis said, I mean, we make sure that those messages get sent to everybody and they get that positive feedback. But I think mm-hmm. that that's uh yeah, I mean, yeah, basically what Travis said. I mean, that's uh, I agree with, with, with everything there. Um,
1: so Travis, I mentioned our area is growing, unlike maybe more condensed urban areas in other parts of the country. I mean, we have to deal with a very dispersed urban population. There's a lot of space. Kevin mentioned that there's a lot of land mass to cover between different parts of town that makes public transportation really difficult. I I would imagine. And we've spent substantial time on these episodes in the past discussing the challenges of maybe working class families in our community. Transportation, I think is one of those challenges. So can you just talk and we're gonna get into this, I mean, just briefly into this one specific subject, talk about some of the things that we're doing as a community and Kevin, feel free to chime in here, but that will help address some of those challenges.
3: Sure. Certainly um, a couple things come to mind. I mentioned, you know, the the transportation master plan. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had an extensive uh, community outreach and stakeholder effort. But, uh, you know, more specific to your question, I I mentioned earlier, part of public works in the city is um, the transit system, the public transportation system. Mountain Metro Transit is is what it's called. We have fixed route service Uh and ADA slash paratransit service as well. Um three hundred and sixty two days a year they run, um roughly six AM to seven PM. Um you know, I, I would really encourage folks to to take advantage of that. Um day passes are four dollars. Youth, seniors, it's less than a dollar for the fair. Um and then uh, the the fair for for everyone else is um, I think it's a dollar seventy five less than two dollars so um, we try and you know really promote that we have mobile ticketing now to make it easier yeah to uh, to uh, ride the the transit system you know with transit it's um, the analogy of peanut butter on bread I think is good right because you try and you know the, the peanut butter is the funding in, in your service if the bread is your geographic area you know you can spread that peanut butter really thin cover all of the bread or you can focus the peanut butter, right? <laughs> really make sure that the service area you have is quality. There's, right. there's frequency, there's reliability. There, we tend to try and focus on the latter of the two. Um, so, as additional funding comes in, I mentioned PPRTA, mm-hmm. heavy PPRTA funding mm-hmm. um, goes to transit, roughly ten percent of that, um, to be specific. And so, anyway, I would encourage folks to to look at that as a transportation option. Yeah, um,
1: and just knowing that that uh, again, we talk about pain points. I mean. Public transportation in a huge area to cover and you're trying to figure out how to get the right people to the right places who may not have access to their own right. transportation. Those are again enormous challenges that frankly I don't even, I don't envy. It causes you guys, I'm sure, a lot of headaches and trying to figure out a lot of things, especially in the midst of so much growth. So
3: we do try and connect, you know, people with jobs with our transport our transportation and transit systems. We connect people with schools. You know the universities, so we try and focus on on those areas to yeah. really you know help people out. Yeah, that's good.
1: Well, gentlemen, I drove a car here this morning, and I don't think I encountered any potholes that I can remember, at least. I we're also recording this after experiencing some very significant winter weather here over the last couple of weeks, and the runoff has not flooded my house. Uh, in addition to perhaps our utility system, your jobs impact every one of our lives every single day. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to know that we're in the hands of people who care about people in our community. I mean, you've already mentioned that, both of you. It's not just about the systems and the infrastructure, but you guys actually take time with your teams to care about people. And I know you guys have difficult jobs, but I just want to thank you for the sacrifices that you've made to our city and to our county, and you've done it well. And uh, I just want to ask, what's the best way for anyone who's interested to kind of follow the work that you're doing? You talk about this transparency, talk about the best ways if people want to be informed, how can they how can they get involved?
3: Um, certainly we have our website. Um, we also have a GoCo Springs app You know, for people to report issues that they see out there, whether it's a pothole or anything else. They can report that on the app. Um, and I always invite people to call me as well. Um, I have on my email signature, I have my direct line to my desk. doesn't go to, to an admin person somewhere else. It's directly to my desk, and I have my personal cell phone on there. So I welcome anybody who has any questions or anything to, to call me as well. Wow. Well, so. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah.
2: We'll send out your email signature. Sometimes. That is, is fine. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. Okay. <laughs> That's great, Kevin. I would encourage people to go to the El Paso County Department and Public Works website. Um, we have just started publishing a monthly uh, periodical, I guess you call it, uh, called The Roadway. And The Roadway is going to talk about things that we've completed, things we've got going on in the future. It's going to highlight employees, some of the challenges that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then also kind of some, uh, just depending on the season, giving uh, citizens kind of tips to kind of you know be successful in whatever season that we're in. Yeah, uh, That would be the one, I mean, if you go into that, if you go to our Public Works website, that'll you'll find a link for that and you can click on it and you can get the subscription sent to your email every month as it's published. But then the same thing, if people have any concerns, we use Citizen Connect is the uh, website that we have. And that link is on there as well, where you can click on it if you have any concerns or things that need to be repaired, fixed, anything at all, you can put that in there. We encourage people to do that versus calling our main number, because as soon as it goes into Citizen Connect, there's a number associated with it and it's tracked. Okay. And then it allows us to actually evaluate how efficient we really are at responding to concerns that citizens mm-hmm. have. That's really good.
1: Well, after we're done recording, I'm going to talk to you guys about the red lights I keep encountering on my <laughs> drive home. Uh, but for now, I just want to say I've really- enjoyed this conversation it's been great to have both of you guys on here so folks I hope this conversation has been at least informative if not given you some ways to just be a better citizen in our community remember one of the central themes that because I love you comes from a verse in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah that says seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've called you because as it prospers you too will prosper and we want to be people who seek the the peace and the prosperity of our community not not just for our own sakes but for the sake of all who call it home so Let's agree together that we can continue to stand with our public leaders, our officials, guys like Kevin and Travis here, even when perhaps we disagree, knowing that we're working together toward the same goal of a flourishing community.
0: Stu, I learned a fun fact today, are you ready? El Paso County is larger than the state of Rhode Island geographically. Did yeah, you know that?
1: I did not know that.
0: That's wild.
1: Fascinating because it makes our county so big and also Rhode Island seem very small. Yes. I've Sorry, never been Rhode to Rhode Island. Island.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, Rhode Island.
1: Um, but maybe that makes the people in Rhode Island feel really good that they have less to manage. I don't know. True. Who knows? So, um, but it is a daunting job that I think both of these guys have. I mean, again, we talked about it a few times in the interview, our city and our county are growing so fast. And it is, uh, I think, apparent to everybody that the systems and the infrastructure that we have is in many ways struggling to keep up. And these two guys are in a lot of ways, the boots on the ground leading the charge for trying to help our city and county keep up with this rapid growth that we're experiencing. So one of the other things that was really fascinating to me was the level of personal attention that these two guys give to their jobs. I mean, um, I think it was Kevin that mentioned you know he had this you know kind of ritual complainer, and then he just reached out to him. They sat down, had a two-hour conversation, and here's a guy who is the director of public works for our county, that met a man in his pain Hmm. and just changed the conversation. Yeah. So the fact that they can actually spend some time about systems and huge budgets and hundreds of millions of dollars and hundreds of people on their teams, but then also give their cell phone out to people who just want to have a conversation. Hmm that's kind of, that's great leadership.
0: Significant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it
1: really is. So, and, and I, I don't want to pretend that that's the norm in other communities around the country. And I think we're blessed to have people like that Mm. leading the charge. Agreed. So, okay, Corey, just, we mentioned at the top of this episode, let's come back to it again, because- 1,600 slots to fill for the Spring City Serve Day. Just tell us a little bit more about it and how we can get people involved.
0: Yeah, listeners, we would love for you to participate in Spring City Serve, not to just pat ourselves on the back, but to be a partner and an advocate in our city for real needs and to find places that you, your friends, your family, your small groups can lend your resources, lend your gifting and your skill set. So on April 30th and May 7th, we have many opportunities for local individuals to out and serve the city all across our city from fountain to monument. We invite you to get involved. You can sign up at cuziloveyou.com. It's really easy. Find the project that works for you and then sign up and show up, and that's it.
1: And let me just say one real quick thing, not to steal from your energy there, Corey, but schools. Yes. There's so many projects happening at yes. schools. And yep. you and I, I know our whole team could talk about, and really anybody who's just been paying attention. Schools need so much support they right do. now. and they, they do. And that's why we've put Spring City Serve around Teacher Appreciation Week. We want to try and keep teachers in the game. We want to try and keep schools engaged with their kids and their families. So folks, if you're listening to this and you've got a, just a free couple of hours on either of those Saturdays, show up to a nearby school and just love on some teachers and, and some school staff that have just had a really hard couple of years. And let's see if we what we can do to keep them in the game. So for now, that's it for this episode of the Cuz I Love You podcast. We will continue our City Series next 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 month, when we invite El Paso County Commissioner Cammie Bremer and City Councilwoman Nancy Hengem into a conversation to talk at a macro level about what's happening in our city city and our county. If these episodes are helpful to you, then we would love for you guys to pass it along to somebody that you think might be interested. As always, subscribe, rate it, let us know how we're doing, things that you might be interested in hearing about. And we just thank you for being a part of this month's episode on the Because I Love You podcast. We will see you next month.